Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for being um, part of our, our being, our mind that shapes who we are. I pray that you would draw us to you this morning under the teaching and um, the guiding of your spirit. May we come to know the word of Jesus Christ, what you have taught, become part of our constitution and our being, that we may grow and become like the Lord Jesus Christ in all things that we do, that the Son of God might be manifested in our mortal bodies. And we thank you, Jesus, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Everything fades over time. Everything goes away over time. But one thing will continue to grow in you, and that is knowledge. And knowledge is an eternal gift from God. When we participate in God's revelation, God gives us revelation, and that is knowledge. That's how we come to understand things that we cannot see, we cannot touch, we cannot feel. The poor in spirit look outside of themselves toward the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. The poor in spirit are those who recognize that they are poor. The poor in spirit are the ones who have the grace to realize and to know that they actually have nothing, and what they have means nothing. The poor in spirit have been enlightened by God to see their true condition and not living in some kind of deception. What does it mean to be blessed? Blessed are the poor. Blessedness is not achieving the blissful state of being. It doesn't mean that you somehow get to a place where you have everything you wanted. Even though that's what you heard people say, maybe the people who are pushing this the most are your parents. If you do this, if you only study hard, if you work hard, if you don't slack off, you will one day be happy. That's what parents usually tell their kids. But Jesus here in his very first sermon on the mount, he said, blessed are the poor. He said the completely opposite. It's not achieving that state, a place in the future where you have everything you wanted, and then you'll be happy. Blessedness is our pursuit of knowing God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and then to be known of Him. Blessedness is when you stand alone and God say, I know you. That's what blessing means. You can have everything in this life, and no one knows you. No one recognizes you. You're invisible. You're not there to anyone because everyone else is looking for their own places. Blessedness, when God knows you and when you know God, that's what blessed means. Blessed is to be known of God. And to be known of God, you need to know God. God needs to give you the revelation of who He is. And He will not give you unless you have nothing. Unless you recognize that you have nothing. You are poor. But those who say that they can see, they remain blind and the sin remain with them. Let me say what blessedness is not. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Blessedness is not having the things that you want. It is not achieving your goals in life, nor it is fulfilling your dreams. You may pursue your riches, they accumulate wealth and build your fortunes, and then you die and you leave all those things behind to the full. But God said to him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. 
And then, who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Blessedness is not the weight of silver and gold that you have. Blessedness is knowing God and be known by God. Blessedness, when everything is stripped away, you have one thing that is eternal, that is the Son of God. This is what the wise king says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 8 and 11. I gather to me silver and gold and peculiar treasures of kings and provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the Son of Man as musical instruments and that of all sorts. And I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. Even when we are careful to protect our gold and our silver as our possession, they may remain, but we do not. Your gold and your silver will remain, most likely. Your diamonds, those rings, those earrings, they may remain, but you will not. You will die. We all will die. Every work of human's hand will deteriorate because we made them and we die and the Spirit die with us. Man's work is vanity because it engenders contention and strife. We do it to show off, look, I'm better than you. Look what I have and you don't have. Those things are worthless. Wealth is worthless in a day of wrath. Ezekiel chapter 7, verse 19. They shall cast their silver in the streets, and their gold shall be removed. Their silver and their gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of wrath of the Lord. They shall not satisfy their souls, neither fill their bowels, because it is a stumbling block of their iniquity. When the war is over and you've lost, what good are your possessions? It's a new economy. There's nothing of value to what you have accumulated when the war is over. Look in history. The nations that lost all their possessions mean nothing, worthless. And if it meant anything, it would be taken away from them. All possessions, when we lose this war to life, we lose. Let alone when God's wrath come upon the sons of disobedience, everything that we have become worthless. Your possessions and everything you have have nothing. Do you realize that now or will you realize that when the time comes? That's why Jesus says, blessed are the poor, because they realize that now our pursuits and our dreams and the things that we follow after, they're worthless. They mean nothing. They cast their gold and their silver on the street. It means nothing. It has no value. So the sooner we realize that we are indeed poor, our possessions mean nothing, then we are truly blessed because now we can call out to God and say, God, I'm empty. I'm poor. Would you come? Would you help me? Blinded by the pursuit and enslaved by possession, we think that we own things, but in fact, the things that we own, own us. We spend time to nurture and care for them. Your children, look at them. Your possessions, your prized possessions, how much time do you devote and spend for them? Your garden, your trees and your plants, your car, that new shiny car that you have purchased. Your mind is on those things in which you possess. The money in your bank, in your investment, you look at the charts every day, hoping they go up and not down. They own you. Your possessions own you. You don't own them. They own you. The more you accumulate, the more master you accumulate for yourself, and those masters will own you. It is not rich at all. You are being owned. You are being enslaved in the pursuit of your masters. Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish 
and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Riches will cause your mind to be twisted, to be confounded, to be deranged. You see those eyes, those cartoons where you know, they, they want to show someone who's crazed, they draw the symbol, the dollar symbol on their eyes because that's all they can see. But in this life, that's what we pursue. Maybe they're not the symbol of the dollar, but they're symbols of thumbs up or hearts or likes. And those things that you pursue, they become currency, social currency for you. And we try to accumulate and mass how many views you got on your YouTube channel. Those are social currencies that we pursue after today. So we wake up, we stay awake, and we try to build and amass our fortunes, which then what, one day the service shuts down and where all your likes be. But they that be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. When God intervenes and stops this blinding pursuit of vanity that leads to destruction, we recognize our poverty, and we then be truly blessed. When God stops us and says, Son, what are you doing? What is this? Do you know that everything that you have is controlled by someone else? Everything that you have is controlled by some other mortal beings. And one day, you know, even what you have right now, if, if there's no power, most of us lose everything, don't we? With the new digital currency, the cryptocurrency, without power, Nothing. It means nothing. What is blessedness? Let me read to you from an old poet. This is Virgil. Happy is he who gains the knowledge of the first cause of all things. Who can trample on every fear and the doctrine of inexorable fate and who is not terrified by death nor by threatened torments of the invisible world. That's what it means to be happy. Happy is the knowledge of the first cause. Now, the first cause in the ancient days, it means God, even though they don't have the concept of God that we have because this is not in the time of Christ yet. So happiness, true happiness, lies in what you know, and rather who you know, but most importantly, who knows you. Blessedness is the knowledge of the truth. If you know the truth, you sell everything and go buy it. Isn't that what the Proverbs say? Sell all you got and buy the truth. Blessedness is when we know the truth. God's revelation is the everlasting treasure that you have. The truth is hidden in the Word. So when you hide the Word of God in your heart, the shaping of the neurons in your brain through memorization, you can be with God wherever you are because His Word is in you. It's in your mind. It's when we have God's Word in our mind so that the Holy Spirit can begin to Explain to us what it is. I'm pushing for us to get this as much of this into here as possible so that it begins to grow. Blessedness is knowing the truth, and his word is truth. The revelation of God's Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is that truth. We may say that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but until the Holy Spirit comes upon us and reveal what that truly means to us, we don't know. We have not been revealed the truth. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is eternal life. Eternal life is the state of perfection in blessedness. Eternal life is when we come to know who God is 
and his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus told Peter this, it is not you that came to that knowledge, but my Father revealed to you. So we can all name the name of Jesus Christ, but who do among us know Jesus? It has to be given to you by God. It has to be by the grace of God that he reveals his Son to us. Happiness is to be known of God, to be called to his eternal purpose and abide in his house forever. That's what happiness is. Psalms 144, verse 15. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. That's what happiness is. Happiness is when you have the Lord as your king, as your maker, as your Lord, as your friend, as your companion. That's what happiness is. Happiness when you have a friend who is Jesus. That's happiness. Is he your friend? Is he your Lord? Would you come to him on that day and he would say, good and faithful servant? Or would he say, I don't know you. Who are you? But in your name, we cast out demons. In your name, we did many miracles. And he would turn to you and we say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquities. I never knew you. It is not what we do or how we do things. It's, does God know you? Does God know you? That should be our question. That should be our pursuit. God, do you know me? In our prayers, ask God, do you know me? Jesus, do you know me? I think I know you. Do you know me? Show me. Ask God for that revelation. That's what blessedness means, is that when God knows you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. What does that mean? Adam Clark, one of the commentators, the biblical commentator, not TV commentator, Adam Clark. Poor in spirit, the one who is deeply sensible of his spiritual poverty and wretchedness. Poor in spirit is someone who recognizes that they're not yay big, but that they're yay big, very little. That's what blessedness is. When you come into a place, you can have in your mind that you know everything, or you can have in your mind that you're here to learn. Blessedness is the person who comes into a place ready to learn. They recognize that they have nothing, but that they have everything to learn. Blessedness is recognizing that we are poor, that we need to know God, and that we are wretched. We need to be transformed. We need to be translated. We need to be transformed from the image of earth to the image of light. Poor in spirit is one who deeply sensible of his spiritual poverty and wretchedness. Poor in spirit are those who possess nothing. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. If you cannot let something go, it owns you. Is it a relationship? It owns you. Whatever you cannot let go, it owns you. And I pray that the only thing that owns you is the Lord Jesus Christ. Like that song, it said, you can have gold and riches. Give me Jesus Christ. Anything that you cannot let go, it owns you. Go through your mind right now. What is it that you cannot lose? Your house? Your car? Or those who don't have those things, say, yeah, I can, my parents, my kids. Our Lord did not come under any ownership of anything, even life. 
It did not own him. Life did not own our Lord Jesus Christ. He laid it down. You have it, my life. He had everything. The Bible says, all things belong to Jesus Christ. All things in heaven, on earth, under the earth, all things belong to Jesus Christ. But he emptied himself of all these things so that he can make us rich. Nothing owns him. There's no one above Jesus Christ. He is not bound to anyone or anything because nothing owns him. What owns you? Or what things own you? Who are your masters? Is it the Lord Jesus Christ? Or some inanimate object? Or some person? We hold on to our possessions because we are afraid to lose them. Because we will lose them. That's what possessions mean. They're not fixed. They are fleeting. We strive to gain more because we know that riches fly away from us. If you don't hold on to it, it will go away. We mark our territories knowing we'll pass away. We leave behind something. You see all these beautiful monuments. People climb on them, make that mark on them to leave behind some kind of legacy because they know that may remain, but they will not. We know that we are a ephemeral. We try to persuade, and when that fails, we manipulate people with our niceties to hope to possess their affections. Blessedness is God's endowment of grace on a needed soul. We need to let go and empty ourselves of these vanity. Blessedness is the state of possessing nothing while becoming a channel of blessing for God to work through. Blessedness when you have nothing but God's riches flow through you. It's not the size of the church. It's not the size of the people. It's the greatness of God that is in us. You know, we can do all things because of God. God gives us strength. Christ gives us strength. Blessedness is when you got nothing and God uses you. So that the Apostle Paul says, so I have nothing to glorify. I have nothing. But God chose to use us. The small, insignificant being that we see ourselves, but God, through us, made others rich. That's my hope. That is what I long to teach our church and our children, that don't despise the size of your stature. It's not because you're young, not because you're old, not because you have nothing, but if you empty yourself, God will use you as a channel to be a blessing for others. But be careful. Don't put a plug in the blessing. When God pours into that vessel, it's so tempting to put a cap on it and hold it. Because just like manna, you keep it, it will go bad. Blessedness is when God's grace and his mercy and his riches flow through us. Blessedness is God's presence in us. Humility. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou shouldest keep his commandment or no. Humility comes to us to test our heart. We can say a lot of things, just like Peter. All these, they may forsake you. No, not me. I will be with you until the end or until the cock crew. Difficult times come, just like this. The past year, and even still now, it comes to test the heart of the people of God. What are you made of? What caused you to buckle 
and collapse. The trials come to test you and see what you make of. Are you? You can say, I'm not afraid. But then, when the time comes, what will you do? Will you hide? Will you run away? Humility. We need to be humble. We know that we all are frail and we all are very weak. The poor in spirit are those who have seen the floor of their pride and foolishness. Those who have walked in the wilderness of Christ found that they have nothing. Humility brings us to the place of despair and to say, God, if you don't raise me up, I will die. The poor in spirit knows that there is nothing good in them, nothing they can use. They prostrate themselves before the Lord waiting to be judged or to be granted mercy. The poor in spirit spent their lives for the sake of others. That's why they're poor. They have nothing. They see a need and they run to fulfill that need at their own expense. Even though they have what it takes to feed themselves, but they take what they have and they feed others before they feed themselves. They remain poor, they remain hungry, homeless for the sake of others. The poor in spirit are those that don't look for a state wherewith they are removed out of that poverty. But they would say, it's okay for me to be poor as long as I make others rich through Christ. It's okay, I have nothing. It's okay when I see other people have everything that seemed to be happiness and I say, no, all I need is Christ. The poor in spirit are those who keep themselves poor for the sake of others. Just as Christ died for them, they hope to walk down the same path. No greater love than this, that one lay down his own life for his friend. It's a different gospel than the one we used to hear. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. That's my motto. That's my gospel. That's my hero. The apostles that went before me, that's how they lived their life. He could have had anything. Circumcised the eighth day. The stock of Israel, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He had everything. There's nothing that he lacked. He has the intelligence. He got the citizenship. He was a man of stature. He was risen up in authority in his community. He had everything. But then he left it all for the sake of Jesus Christ. For myself for the loss of all things and do count them, but none that I may win Christ. So death worketh in us, but life in you. The poor in spirit are the ones who are willing to say, I will stay poor for your sake. I will stay needy for your sake. I will stay hungry so I can feed you. The poor in spirit are those. And the church today, we need those. We need those who feed others before they feed themselves. The apostles counted not their lives dear to themselves, but they spent them to build a foundation so that today we have a church. So those sentiments that came from the apostles trickle down, and maybe some of us grab a hold of them, and I pray that some in the next generation who are not full of themselves, who are not so filled with themselves, and that we would not teach them to be so full of themselves that they cannot think of others because they themselves are so large, so big, and nothing can be seen. So death worketh in us, but life in you. They did not, we take nothing with them. They did not take anything with them. Their lives en- empty out for the sake of the gospel so that today we have the gospel because they lay down their lives. The question I ask myself is, 
Will I do the same thing? Do you? Will you do the same thing? How many of us will do the same thing for the sake of the gospel? Or we are so invested in what we're doing right now that the gospel becomes so faint in our lives. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, talking about Jesus, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Keep yourself poor so that the gospel will be continued to be preached to us. This word will be for me when you're poor. But if you're rich, this word means nothing to you. You don't need it. But the gospel was appointed to be preached to the poor, that he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance, to captives, recover the sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. That is the gospel. The poor in spirit are friends to the spiritually poor. Because we recognize the poor, we identify with them. They recognize humanity's need for a savior, so they spent every drop of their lives for the sake of others, the least of these. The kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven. Job chapter 1, verse 21. And said, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. Is that there? And the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We bring nothing into Christ's kingdom. Nothing in our possession will we bring into Christ's kingdom. The poor in spirit have nothing to contribute to the kingdom of heaven except what have been inherited. The only thing that we inherit in this life is Jesus Christ and the knowledge of God. Nothing we have built nor invented can survive the flame of eternity. Even our flesh does not survive this journey. We must be born again and put on immortality. James chapter 2, verse 5. Hearken, my brother. Hearken, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs to the kingdom which he had promised to them that love him? God's chosen the poor. Those who are poor in spirit, God chosen you to make others rich, to become heirs of the kingdom of heaven, to have his love. Stay poor, that God may grant you the riches of faith in Christ. Stay hungry and never let the world satisfy you so that only the Son of God satisfy you. God graces those who are hungry and thirst after righteousness. Are you hunger and thirst after righteousness? Blessedness of knowing Christ Jesus. This sermon was preached to the poor. He went up the mountain, he sat there, and the poor gathered around him. And this is the message which he spoke to them. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He's speaking to the people who are there. There are many in his days who were rich. There are many in his days did not come to hear Christ preach. But he preached to those who came. And those who came recognized that they are poor, that they need to hear from him. There are many who shun the preaching of the gospel today because they think they heard it all. There's nothing to be learned here. Not so with those who come to Christ. They recognize that they are poor in spirit. And they fix their gaze on him. Those who came to listen to the voice of God. They came there seeing Jesus Christ. And they are listening to what he has to say. They're listening to Jesus Christ, what he has to say. They're poor, hungry, probably rejected by society. And they came to Jesus. Notice he was out in the field. He's not in the synagogue to preach. So they came to him. Because the synagogue would not accept these individuals because they don't fit the type. They're poor. And Jesus spoke life to them that listen. They came to see Jesus and they got Jesus. His word, his life. 
We're not studying what Jesus spoke here. We come to learn from the person who spoke these truths. The word that you hear today, the Sermon on the Mount, should tell you who Jesus Christ is. And that only comes when God reveals Jesus Christ to you. It's not because you understand language or you understand what this word means, but because these words have life in them. The words of Jesus have life in them. When you listen to the word, you know the person who spoke it. That's our pursuit, to know the ones who spoke the word of God. These words that Jesus spoke thousands of years ago are alive today because the Holy Spirit is moving within us to make this word alive in us. And how great would it be that we already have this word in our heart, that the Spirit make these words become alive in us everywhere we go, wherever we are in the world today. The word of God is in us, and the Holy Spirit makes that word alive in us. The voice of Jesus speaks to you wherever you are, in your sleep, when you're awake, at your school, while you're studying. The word of Jesus Christ is brought alive by his Spirit in you. We listen and learn God's word, not as ends in themselves, but to pursue the one who spoke them. Have you ever heard of a poem that you like? Do you wonder who wrote it? What was that person like? In which situation and circumstance that that poem was written? When we listen to God's word, we strive to learn the one who spoke it. When you hear something from God, the Holy Spirit will make that word become alive in you. The pursuit of the riches of the world will vex your soul to no end because it belongs to someone else and they are coming for it. The things that you got probably belong to someone else. They lost it. And because they lost it, they're going to come after it. Everything in this world is finite. And so the dollar you gain is someone's dollar lost. The things that we have and the things that we gain in this life will come to nothing in the end. Only Christ remains. He's infinite. Stay poor, stay humble, that you may have Jesus Christ. Come to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love for us, the example that you set. Lord, you had all things were made for you and by you and through you. Yet you emptied yourself and became obedient unto death. So that we today may through your poverty become rich in faith, rich in you, rich through you, the things that are eternal and not the things that are temporal. I pray that as a church, Lord, we do not look at what we may or can achieve by the works of our own hands, but that I pray that we will bend our knees and pray and ask for the grace of God to give us the humility and the, the recognition of our spiritual state that we are poor, that we need the gospel preached to us. And I pray that you will raise us up in these last days, Lord, that the gospel of Jesus Christ will become evident and real through us and to us, that through your faith that you have entrusted to us, we become the vessel in which the blessing of God might truly flow through us into the lives and into the homes and families and communities of those who truly need everlasting hope and not something that's temporal. And we thank you, Lord, for this church. We thank you for what you have accomplished through us. And I pray for the coming days that you raise up men and women, children and older folks who have a passion for your word, who have a passion for your name and for your kingdom, and that we would 
pour out our life, Lord, for you and for your purpose. And in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.